Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. I gave you one number earlier. Let me give you one more as we jump to Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer on some NBA, the legacy of David Stern. Your calls later on college hoops, college football, the Hurricanes, the Panthers, job opening, other NFL heading into wild card weekend. How about this? When David Stern became the NBA commissioner in 1984, league revenues were $165 million a year. When he retired in 2013, they were $5.5 billion a year. Similarly, average player salary when David Stern started in 84, less than $300,000 a year per player. Average salary when he stepped away in 2013, almost $6 million per player per year. Rick Pinnell does a great job of covering the Hornets and the NBA for the Charlotte Observer and its fine website. He's actually a finalist this year for the North Carolina Sports Writer of the Year, and deservedly so. I voted for him. Rick, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, man. Uh, we throw around superlatives a little too much in my world. I remember Pete Rozelle of the NFL for a while being called the greatest commissioner ever. Does David Stern belong in that conversation in your eyes, and if so, why? Yes, for the simple yet complex reason that um, if you look at his body of work from when he took over, a, a, a mess where games were being, finals games were being showed tape delay at 1130 at night mm. in some Eastern markets, um, where... The NBA had a terrible reputation regarding a drug problem. Uh, I thought Michael Jordan put it very well yesterday in a statement when he said, I am not where I am if David is not running this league. And I totally believe that. Uh, David believed in a lot of things that were quite unpopular at the time. Things like um, supporting Magic Johnson's, uh, you know, wanting to play with AIDS right. and, and educating people about a whole lot of myths about that disease. Uh, he stood up for, he took difficult positions, very unpopular decisions, and he did it because he thought it was the right thing. You know, you know David, I'm generally not a fan of bullies, and there, were, there was a lot of time when David was a bully, but usually when he was doing that, he was doing it for the right reason. Rick Bennell is joining us on the David Glenn Show. That's an interesting way to put things. Follow Rick on Twitter, by the way, at Rick underscore Bennell. Give us an example of where David Stern was or came across as a bully, but in the end it was because of some greater good. Well, David's temper was famous. There is nobody who works in the league office who didn't see it coming and, you know, and he hit under their desk at certain times. Um, I and several of my colleagues, the Observer, back in 2002, um, caught Ray Wooldridge, who was the part owner of the Hornets at the time, fudging attendance figures, lowering them to make the Hornets' situation look worse than it was. Mm. And we figured out that what he was doing in direct violation of league was was a reporting turnstile instead of tickets distributed. Mm. And we run a front page story on this the morning of the vote to let them re, um, let them relocate. And that day I'm up in New York City and I'm walking past this this little conference room in the hotel where the league meeting is being held. 
and I, and Ray Woolridge walks out of a room with Stern right behind him, and I've never seen anybody look paler or more shaken in my entire life. Later, I found somebody who was in that room, and I said, what the hell happened? And <laughs> David had poked his finger at Ray's nose for about five minutes with a stream of obscenities. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen anyone more terrorized in my entire life. It was Friday the 13th. And Ray deserved that, and he got it. And anybody, everybody has some kind of story like that about David's willingness to get in people's faces. Um, I would say he, he cajoled people. He intimidated people. That's how he created consensus. Um, Adam Silver, who has you know, replaced him and done a good job, has a very different style. He, he coaxes people. Um, David David's terrified people. <laughs> Rick Bennell is with us. Find his work at charlotteobserver.com on the Hornets and, of course, the NBA at large. David Stern, the 30-year NBA commissioner, passed away yesterday at the age of 77. You mentioned, and that was from my childhood, where NBA final games were on tape delay in my city of Philadelphia. I can remember that from the 1970s. Fast forward all these years, the NBA is televised in more than 200 countries, usually live, in more than 40 languages around the world. How do you put into words David Stern's role as the Olympics welcomed NBA players in the early 90s? You know, as Yao Ming came along, and I saw recently, Rick, it was Manu Ginobili, who said that as a young boy in Argentina, what originally planted the seed for him to dream of playing in the NBA, not just somewhere, but in the NBA someday, was that his country had just started showing NBA games on tape delay in the 1980s or whatever. And it turned out David Stern sold those rights for $2,000, meaning that, you know, he saw the bigger picture. It wasn't about the $2,000. David, you being somebody who was trained in the legal profession and then got involved in other things, I'm curious if you agree with me on this. David's training was as a litigator. Yes. He was really good at it. And he, I thought it was really interesting how he spread his wings at his job. Um, he became a tremendous marketer. He had vision. Um, he saw that this was this was an international game that was being played everywhere. This was a, that he he saw it coming twenty years before it was popular to say that basketball was becoming like soccer as a game without borders. Um, at first, you know, he was very uncomfortable with the idea of of his players being in the Olympics. Right. He just didn't know if that was right. But once it was forced on him, once the you know once the Olympic International Olympic Committee came to you know a long overdue conclusion just to stop the shamaturism. Um, David saw that as okay. If this is inevitable anyway, then this dream team thing is going to be the, like the most fantastic marketing opportunity ever. Um, I will always remember people telling me, you know, the Hornets sort of the Hornets phenomenon originally when they were just selling out the Coliseum. It coincided to David's you know golden age as the commissioner. Yeah. And I will always remember hearing stories about people going to Europe and being just shocked that they were seeing bulls and, and hornets gear, actually, because the, the teal and purple was so popular as a fashion statement, just all over Paris and Spain and whatever. Um, that must have put a big grin on David Stern's face. One of the more interesting parts of your coverage at charlotteobserver.com 
I, I had more of a sense of David Stern's global vision and the rise in TV money and even things like the mandatory dress code where he had to play, you know, a, a really um, interesting role as an intermediary. I knew less about the idea that David Stern essentially was plotting the future of the NBA in Charlotte, even as our state was losing the NBA. That's pretty cool. Uh, tell us more about those details because it just sounded like he was, for lack of a better phrase, on our side at what must have been like, you know, the bottom of the barrel day for any NBA fan anywhere in the Carolinas when the uh, original Hornets left for New Orleans. It was a it was a split the baby decision. Um, he the, he didn't understand why city council was being so strident, and what he didn't necessarily grasp from afar was that it wasn't that they were not willing to build a new arena to keep the NBA here. They were not. They didn't trust Ray Wolders enough to do business with him, and so Pat McCrory shows up in New York the day of the, the day that the vote's coming, and he goes into Stern's office, hat in hand, and Stern, from what I understand, just blew him off. I mean, really made Pat Pat grovel, and it was ugly at first, and eventually David, you know, turned off the. You know, you know, turned off the the attitude and listened, and, and made it. And Pat made it a great pitch that you know they would build an uptown arena, that they would make this work. They could not do business with Woldridge. and in the course of like two hours, David came up with you know this this you know amazing history changing idea that while he wouldn't stop the Hornets from leaving, he would immediately and kind of unilaterally without really talking to the owners about it, progress toward, I mean, it was called expansion, but it wasn't. It was replacement. It wasn't like anybody else was going to be in contention for a 30th franchise. He was just going to make sure that he didn't lose a market that worked, and he was going to figure out a way to make it happen, and they were going to start, have a fresh start. And that is David. That's not being afraid to yield it, you know, wield his power. That's not being afraid to, you know, take a chance. Um, remember, it was kind of, it, the Bobcats were controversial. Mark Mark Cuban was annoyed by the fact that they weren't holding out Charlotte as a as a place where somebody could move to as a threat. And David just wasn't going to let basketball die here. Last thing for you to the current game. The Bucks are 31 and 5 and have the best record in the East. The Lakers are 27 and 7 and have the best record in the West. How many others are on your personal, you know, Rick Bennell power rankings on some somewhat of a similar pro plateau to Milwaukee and the Lakers? Um, you're catching me off guard, but I will say off the top of my head I think the Clippers are really dangerous because they're a whole lot deeper than the Lakers. I think the Celtics, oh my God, talk about addition by subtraction and getting Kyrie out of there. Um, they're just, they're so much more on the same page. It's allowed Brad to coach again. Um, I'm really underwhelmed by the Sixers. I don't know about you. But I am they just too. seem like more a collection of parts Agree. than a team. But I will tell you my strongest impression about this NBA season, I have never seen a wider gap between the 10 best and the 10 worst teams mm. in the league, and that should frighten them. 
because I'll tell you something. Um, there's a real chance that 14 of the 16 playoff spots are going to be accounted for by the end of January, and that's not good business. Very interesting. We'll, we'll have you back to explore that further. Thanks for the insight and wisdom on David Stern and his legacy. Keep up the great work. Uh, again, you have my vote for the North Carolina Sports Writer of the Year. You have enough uh, awards that uh, I'm sure you're not losing sleep one way or the other. But uh, congratulations on a job well done, and we always appreciate your role here on the David Glenn Show. And to you for the same nomination uh, for broadcaster, David. You um, you know how much I enjoy talking to you. Thank you very much. Rick Bennell on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. More chance for your opportunity to join us. David Stern and other NBA. Wild card weekend is only two days away for NFL fans. The Panthers are, of course, not in the playoffs and don't have a head coach right now. But Ron Rivera has a new job in Washington, D.C. Is anyone playing this weekend? on Wild Card Weekend, good enough to just keep winning and raise the Super Bowl trophy. The Patriots and the Saints, the only two of this weekend's eight participants getting much love today from the statewide David Glenn Show audience. Gonzaga is the sixth different number one college basketball team in this year's AP polls, and the Zags may be there a while, but Duke and Louisville and Florida State and UVA and maybe even others are in that broader mix as well. College football's bowl season continues to roll along. The Carolina Hurricanes look like one of the half a dozen best teams in all of hockey right now. I was there on New Year's Eve and had a lot of fun with the lovely and talented Maria and some friends of ours. I will be back there tomorrow night with other friends in our on-the-glass seats as the Canes continue in a seven-game homestand. They are 2-0 and to begin that seven-game homestand, and they are playing, I think, some of the best hockey that that league has to offer. Dougie Hamilton, recently named as an NHL All-Star for the first time. The veteran defenseman has been an absolute sniper for Rod Brindamore's team so far this season. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket in. Questions and comments about college football, college hoops, the Canes, David Stern, the NBA, and, of course, the NFL. We wish a happy new year to you and yours, and we welcome more of your participation. We have crowned LeBron James and Serena Williams as among the greatest athletes of this past decade, and we're looking forward to a lot of fun things throughout the rest of 2020 as well. We're glad you're with us on this on this Thursday afternoon across North Carolina. You can join us with your question or comment on the other side, 1-800-849-2761. Glad you're with us on The David Glenn Show. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four ties, <laughs> not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Quick email from Sam in Concord, North Carolina. DG, welcome back and Happy New Year. Your college hoops coverage is something I look forward to most when the calendar turns. With that in mind, how many teams in our state do you think will be dancing come March Madness this year? That's a tricky question to answer on January 2nd, but as we go to Kyle and Carey, who has the Canes on his mind, others, the NFL, NBA, college basketball, and college football, you can be next with your question or comment. 
athlete of the decade went to the LeBron James on the male side, Serena Williams on the female side. Other votes today for other, I mean, folks from every sport you can almost imagine. Usain Bolt, the sprinter, Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin, the hockey players. Floyd Mayweather Jr., the boxer. Novak Djokovic, the tennis superstar. Lionel Messi and other soccer studs. Michael Phelps and Katie Ledecky from swimming. Simone Biles, Team USA gymnast. Mike Trout and others from baseball. Tom Brady and others from football. LeBron James getting the most votes, but Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and others from the NBA as well. It was a great decade. LeBron and Serena atop those lists from the Associated Press and otherwise, including us here at the David Glenn Show, 1-800-849-2761. The quick college hoops question is, of course, Duke is a serious candidate to win the ACC tournament official bid or what coach k has not often been lately and recently sounded like he doesn't care if he is again anytime soon the acc regular season champion which does not come with an automatic bid in that or any other league but it does mean you're playing pretty darn good basketball and if you're in one of the top conferences and you win the regular season you're almost by definition going to make the ncaa tournament certainly that's the case in the acc so Duke from our state is a lock. It's just a matter of how great they are, how much better they become. Remember, one of their best lineups is sophomore Trey Jones surrounded by four freshmen. Those four freshmen have a chance to be better versions of themselves by March than they are right now. The veterans, I mean, you know, even Trey Jones as a sophomore, they're going to get better. Practice helps with that. Mike Krzyzewski helps with that. But you don't get as dramatically better if you're Jack White if you're Alex O'Connell right if you're Jordan Goldwire even Trey Jones the curve is different for you as an upperclassman whereas freshmen can be dramatically different versions of themselves in February and March and early April and that's really exciting for anybody who supports Duke basketball beyond that I still think State and Carolina are going to be NCAA tournament teams. The Tar Heels have this crazy stretch here still without Cole Anthony. I mean, they managed to beat a really good Yale team from the Ivy League, and Roy Williams tied Dean Smith on the all-time wins list at 879. Really cool emotional ceremony there for Roy Williams in front of the Tar Heel faithful. As Jordan Cornette mentioned earlier, NC State to me looks really good. I mean, my top five power rankings do not include the Tar Heels right now. They do include the Blue Devils and the Wolfpack, along with teams like Louisville and Florida State and UVA, for example. So there's three from the ACC, and I haven't seen every team in every conference. For example, Davidson is not the best team in the A-10 this year for Bob McKillop. Dayton is really, really, really good from that league, but... Could they make a run at second place in that league? Could they make a run on tournament weekend? Sure, they could. Always well coached, always dangerous offensively. I think Wes Miller and UNC Greensboro have a shot to be the best in the Southern Conference. And I'll tell you this, I know it's off the radar. Under first-year head coach Dustin Kearns, App State looks more like a basketball team than I have seen in a long time. And I actually like several of their previous coaches. I don't intend this to be a shot at any of his predecessors. They look better coached. They look more intense. I don't think they're going to win the Sun Belt. But it's not insane to say that they could finish in the top few in the Sun Belt regular season standings. A school far more famous for football going 11-1. and one. I mean, Sun Belt champions, bowl victors again. 
far less frequently famous for basketball. The Mountaineers on the hard court, man, I can't even totally put it into words. I'm just telling you, something's different under Dustin Kearns. They play smarter. They play harder. They're more competitive. They're more difficult to beat. I watched, uh, was it NC State recently beat the Mountaineers head-to-head? And, of course, the Wolfpack has more talent. The Wolfpack has more depth. The game was intriguing well into the second half, and I knew NC State would pull it out, as it did. But just add that story under the radar to one worth monitoring for March Madness fans. The Big South is a league that either UNC Asheville or Campbell or Gardner-Webb or somebody could win it. And then our friends in the MEAC, I don't know if it'll be the Aggies of A&T. I don't know if it'll be the Eagles of Lavelle Moton and NC Central, but that is one more league where the, the conference champion could come from our backyard. And, of course, I am rooting for all of these stories. The more, the merrier as we jump toward March Madness here on the David Glenn Show. Kyle and Carey has another of my passions on his mind. I just saw the Canes win on New Year's Eve. I hope to see them win again tomorrow night as they host the Washington Capitals at PNC Arena. Tampa Bay on Sunday, if you can get there. Kyle has the Canes on his mind. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. I'll actually be there tomorrow and at the Tampa game this weekend, too. Nice. Uh, uh, I saw a little bit today on Twitter about rumors of Justin Williams possibly signing by the end of the weekend. Not sure if you've seen that or not. What kind of impact do you think that would cause to the lineup, and who do you think might drop down? Wouldn't that be fascinating? Switching? For those who don't remember – Uh, Kyle and I clearly both Kaniacs, so we know all these details. Justin Williams is a Stanley Cup champion three times over, one of those right here in our backyard with the famous 06 Canes. He is 38 years old. He has not played an NHL game this season. He is not retired. Uh, He is technically a free agent. And the Canes have tricky cap space issues that complicate exactly when and at what price Justin Williams could return. There is always technically the possibility that another different NHL team could reach out and try to sign Justin Williams, maybe somebody with even more cap space. But I think people around here believe that if Justin comes back, he has been skating on his own for the last month or so, so it's on his mind. He famously keeps himself into really good shape. He needed a break from the game for family and personal reasons. He has taken it, and he left this door wide open. He never said, I'm retired. He's even joked about it. You know, he purposely not declaring it a retirement. And if you make a certain level of money, trying to remember what he made at the very end of his time with Carolina, but it was the millions, right? It was, you know, four million or whatever per year. If you only play half a season, and you think your market value is $4 million a year, well, maybe you're willing to make take $2 million for your half a year if you thought you'd be worth $4 million for the full year. Well, guess what? $2 million is a number that the Canes can digest, whereas the $4 million would cause salary cap havoc. So as strange as it might sound, a month ago, the numbers would not have worked out. Even if Tom Dundon, the Canes owner... And Rod Brindamore, of course, a huge Justin Williams fan for what he brings on the ice, but also in the locker room as an off-the-charts fantastic leader. He just gets people to relax 
at times when they get tight. He gets people to be passionate and tense at the times they're supposed to be. And, of course, he has the ultimate street cred as a, as a three-time Stanley Cup champion. So Rod wants him back. Tom Dundon wants him back. Justin Williams loves wearing the Canes uniform. But if he had, if everybody had wanted it to happen a month ago, it could not have happened mathematically the way the salary cap rules work. With each passing week, and have you guys ever seen, you know, when when Darren misses time here at the David Glenn Show, I don't put out a release that I am sending you down to USA Baseball, only to recall you, <laughs> to recall you for the David Glenn Show roster later the same week, right? I don't. That could become tedious. I don't send you to Tubby Smith in High Point Basketball, only to recall you <laughs> for roster purposes later in the same week, right? Do you know why the Canes do that with so many guys? Because it actually matters for salary cap purposes. I mean, it's not the only reason you send guys up and down, duh. I mean, sometimes you just need a dude because somebody else got hurt. But the mathematical game, it matters whether you're on the big roster, you're getting paid more, or the little, the, the you know, Charlotte Checkers roster, you're getting paid less, and the salary cap repercussions are different. So I think Justin Williams wants to come back. I know the Canes want him to come back. I believe those conversations are continuing as we speak. And the best news is that with each passing week, the math works better. Now, we'd have next time Rod Brindamore's on or Tom Dundon's on, or heck, maybe we have Justin Williams on the day he resigns with the Canes. He has joined us many times in the past. I'm sure somewhere in Rod's mind and Justin's mind, as guys who played these, this game for so long, there's going to be kind of a point of no return. Like, if you're not back by now, how can I expect to, your timing, your conditioning, and everything to be ready for the playoffs? And seriously, if you made a power rankings in the NHL right now, certainly the Canes would be in your, your top 10. There's some heavyweights. Like tomorrow night's opponent, the Washington Capitals, are absolutely loaded. On paper, the Caps are more loaded than the Canes. Now, on paper, they were last year, too, and we all know that the Canes knocked the Caps out of the postseason. But the Blues have a really good team. The Bruins have a really good team. The Colorado Avalanche have a really good team. When healthy, I think the Penguins are really, really good as well. So that's what, four or five I just mentioned. The Canes are right there, like Tier 1B, if you will, as good as anybody whose name I just did not mention. And they have almost as much firepower as some of those others. And they have a pretty solid defense core. And they have Svechnikov and Sebastian Ajo and Tavo Teravainen and from the blue line, guys like Dougie Hamilton filling the net with pucks and somebody like Jacob Slavin is just one of the most unheralded and yet overproductive uh, statesmen of the entire NHL. It's a fun story to watch. I think it's only going to get more fun. And I do think Justin Williams is going to be a part of it. I do not have any inside information as we speak you know, to tell you to be on pins and needles through this coming weekend. But you're absolutely right as a Kaniac to have it on your radar. And, I, you know, the month of January is the fork in the road. Is it this weekend? Is it next week? I don't know the answer to that. But remember, this is a sport that turns the page into the playoffs in April and doesn't determine its Stanley Cup champion until mid-June. There's a long way to go as we discuss this on January 2nd. But there is a point where salary cap problems are lessened and, and the transaction becomes less complicated. We are really, really close to that point. 
but that doesn't mean a deal gets done tomorrow or the next day or next week. I do think, I mean, if you were just kind of taking a leap of faith, do I think Justin Williams will be a member of the Carolina Hurricanes by February 1st? My money would be on that being a yes. But do I have any inside info on the details between now and then, meaning tomorrow, the day after? No, I do not. But I'm certainly continuing to ask those questions just as many of you are asking me those questions. 1-800-849-2761. Capitals in town tomorrow night. Tampa Bay on Sunday. Those are two loaded teams talent-wise. Next week, Philly, Arizona, and L.A., the Canes are two games into a seven-game homestand. They won their first two. We'll see how they handle the Capitals tomorrow night. But a great chance to build even more momentum as they're already in playoff position. But we'll enjoy having these next five on PNC Arena ice as well. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. David Stern in the NBA. College basketball, including Zion Williamson. Can you be the player of the decade if you spent only one season? In an ACC uniform, Jordan Cornette said, yes, I have some other candidates in mind. You can join us on the NFL as well. Is anyone who has a game this weekend good enough in your eyes to make a run to the Super Bowl title? The only two teams getting any support along those lines, the New England Patriots, who host Tennessee on Saturday night, and the New Orleans Saints, who host the Vikings on Sunday afternoon. The Bills, the Texans, the Seahawks, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Titans, not viewed in that same vein by our voters today. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. More on those sports and those headlines with more of your questions and comments next on the David Glenn Show. Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. If you want to jump in, with your Happy New Year's question or comment, greatest athletes of the decade, LeBron James and Serena Williams won that vote. Wild card weekend in the NFL is almost here. The Panthers still don't have a head coach, but Washington does, and his name is Ron Rivera. David Stern's legacy is on tap, given his death yesterday at the age of 77. One of the greatest commissioners in any American sport ever given his role in bringing the NBA into globalization over his 30 years at the helm. College hoops is always among our favorites. College football's bowl season continues. I'll give you one thing I promised earlier as we welcome your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Caniacs, always welcome to chime in with their question or comment as well, given the red-hot hurricanes of the NHL as we consider Duke and State and Carolina and their potential in college basketball as among the potential headliners here as the calendar has turned to 2020. Why were the semifinals this year in college football on December 28th, but the title game between LSU and Clemson will not occur until Monday, January 13th. So it's Thursday. Some internal clock you might have as a sports fan in America might be telling you, yeah, I, I guess uh, Clemson and LSU, they'll be kicking it off. What, I, you know, maybe this Monday night or something, they'll leave the playoffs and wild card weekend to the NFL. But it's got to be right around the corner, right? We don't wait two weeks like we do in the Super Bowl. While this year we do, and you might laugh at the reason why. Bottom line is this. 
when the college football playoff was created, they actually selected the dates in part because it's hard to get you need advance notice for hotel rooms and venue availability and all that stuff. That part is obvious. You might not need 12 years, but the way they decided to do it was to pick the dates for the semifinals and the championship game for all 12 years. So as they created the college football playoff, all of those things were written in. Well, lo and behold, the college football playoff decision makers can run into the same kinds of problems you and I might with a family vacation. Best I understand out there in travel world, if the lovely and talented Maria and I, for whatever reason, just had something scheduled five years down the road and, they want, and we wanted to tweak it, 99 towns out of 100, no problem. You can tweak it. Most of the time, there's not even an expense involved if it's that far down the road. Well, if you want to make a major change, you know, going into the holidays, you and your family are scheduled to be somewhere in the Caribbean, and at the last minute, something happens, and you need to change this or that. Well, guess what? There are going to be penalties involved. There might be expenses involved. You might not even be able to take that trip, and they might tell you they can't even give you any kind of a financial credit for some visit to the islands, you know, later in 2020 or whatever. Y'all know things get hairy. Similarly, in college football playoff terms, you remember the year where the semis were hosted on New Year's Eve? And the ratings were not good at all. Now, remember, if you're ESPN, you promise your advertisers a certain level of ratings. In year one of the college football playoff, the way we discussed last December, the ratings were off the charts. I mean, even the semifinal games had NFL playoff game type numbers. It was ridiculously good. 28 million for both semifinal games in year one, and then 34 million plus for the original college football national championship game that was back in 2014. Other than the Super Bowl itself, which has 100 million plus viewers, those college football playoff numbers, both semis and the title game, got NFL playoff type ratings. That's really, really good news for college football. And of course, really, really good news for the people who run the playoff and really, really good news for ESPN because they're keeping all their advertisers happy. Well, since 2014, the numbers have not been the same. And when that one year, when the semifinals were on New Year's Eve and people tuned out in large numbers, what did they decide to do? They decided to no longer have semifinal games on New Year's Eve if they could avoid it. Well, for years down the road, when they wanted to move what was originally scheduled to be on New Year's Eve, and now they believe the market has spoken, right? And that one year where you and I and many others really more often went about our New Year's Eve plans than went out of our way to make sure we watched one or both semifinals, the numbers took such a dent that college football playoff dates and venues that were still five years down the road, they could change that. The venue didn't mind five years down the road. Like Jimmy Buffett just announced that he's coming to Walnut Creek here in the Triangle area this year. That's very big news in my world. Like, I keep I keep margaritaville.com on buzz the way a heroin addict would look at his, his or her favorite drug. That's how into Buffett I am. And he doesn't come to North Carolina every year anymore. So that news came out, like, within the last 24 hours or whatever. All good. 
Buffett's not telling us where he's going to be five years from now. He's getting older, so who knows if he'll even be around or still performing five years from now. Well, in the college football playoff context, when they wanted to avoid the originally scheduled semifinal games on New Year's Eve down the road, they called the venue, no problem. They called the hotels involved, no problem. We don't have people beating our door downs for hotel reservations five years from now. But, oh, by the way, if you want to tweak something in the near future, that's a no-go. Obviously, you need the stadium. You need the hotel rooms. And this year, we got stuck with, yes, moving the games up to avoid New Year's Eve. They did that. But they did not have time to move the championship game from its currently scheduled Monday, January 13th. By the time they realized that moving this year's semifinals up, which they did have time to do, would leave this gap, it was too late to change the other dates. And that is exactly why you saw the semifinals on December 28th, but you will not see LSU versus Clemson in the national championship game until Monday, January 13th. Good news, this will never happen again. Uh, in this 12-year contract, this is the only year you will end up with that long pause. Oddly enough, both Dabo Sweeney of Clemson and Eddie O of LSU have called it a blessing in disguise. Like college football fans don't really like it. They want to see this game because it should be a juggernaut as soon as possible because both teams have some guys back banged up that are not – so bad, not season-ending injuries, that maybe the extra week gives them a break. They believe they're both going to be that much closer to full strength by the time that Monday night matchup rolls around on January 13th. We've got, in my eyes, plenty of other things to celebrate, including two weekends, two weekends of the NFL playoffs before we get to that LSU-Clemson matchup. So the good outweighs the bad, although I think even Bill Hancock the college football playoff executive director and his sidekicks would agree they never, ever, ever again want to end up with this particular schedule. 1-800-849-2761 is the last call for phone calls. We will have final thoughts and some very tasty TV treat picks waiting you on the sports menu this evening. 1-800-849-2761. That's next on the David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. Last call for phone calls. Some thoughts on tonight's TV sports menu options. Quick update from the NBA. Rising star Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks of, and the reigning NBA MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo led the first round of voting for the 2020 All-Star Game the NBA announced just moments ago. Doncic is a second-year guard with the Mavericks. He leads all players with about 1.7 million votes. 
Antetokounmpo is next in that same neighborhood, and he is the top vote-getter in the Eastern Conference. That LeBron James guy recently crowned the Athlete of the Decade is the only other player to have more than one million votes through the initial round of voting. And one quick note from the NFL, 1-800-849-2761. Former NC State star Jacoby Brissett of the Indianapolis Colts heard this today. When his own general manager, Chris, Chris Ballard, had his season-ending news conference with the Colts beat writers, quote, the jury is still out on Jacoby. I, I'm a big believer, just to be clear. And Darren, you and I talk about this from time to time. The pluses of being a sports athlete, a prominent guy in a prominent sport like a Jacoby Brissett, if you are a starting quarterback full-time in the NFL, by definition, you are a prominent athlete. So the former Wolfpack star took over, of course, for Andrew Luck, did sign a big contract. He's one year into a two-year $20 million contract. The upsides far outweigh the downsides, but isn't it nice when you're not in that world, to not have to hear stuff like that. Like, if you're Jacoby Brissett, and you're just minding your own business, disappointed to miss the playoffs, you had some great numbers first half of this season with the Colts. I mean, there were people that had him in, like, the midseason top 10 MVP candidates. He was on a roll. He had a rough second half. Yeah, the jury is still... The jury is still out. We don't... We, don't, we might hear that in our lives or our careers... But it's usually not for public consumption. It's, yeah, do the millions outweigh that negative? Of course they do. Does the fame and the endorsement deals and all that, are the pluses far better than the minuses? I'm still saying yes. I mean, I'm an older guy now, but whenever I hear a younger athlete say, yeah, DG, you know, these young, beautiful women will just throw themselves at you. You know, I mean, and they don't always have the best intentions, man. Some of them just want your money. Some of them have agendas. And, and I was like, wait a minute, back back up. What was that about young, beautiful women throwing themselves? <laughs> There's a downside to that? And so you're all, it's, it's always a weighing process, right? It's not, it's not all good or all bad. But that underlines it, right? With good things come bad things. Jacoby Brissett, yes, halfway through a two-year, $20 million deal, but has to hear his boss say, yeah, the jury is still out on him. And the numbers do back it up. If you, if you didn't follow the Colts that closely, he went from that great first half to failing to complete more than 53% of his passes in any of the final four games of the season as the Colts fell way out of the playoff picture. Nobody expects him to be Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck, his predecessors there in Indianapolis, but they need that first half Jacoby far more often than the second half Jacoby. And if they got that, he wouldn't hear the jury is still out a little bit earlier today. TV picks tonight. The Hornets are on the road against Cleveland. You have a hockey doubleheader on the NBC Sports Network. No Canes till tomorrow night. I will see you at PNC as Carolina hosts Alex Ovechkin in the Washington Capitals. NBA TV offers a doubleheader. Warriors at Minnesota, Pistons at Clippers as well. Of course, bowl games continue. The Under Armour High School football All-American game is 6 o'clock tonight on ESPN2. Indiana, Tennessee, another football bowl option, 7 o'clock ESPN. Enjoy the games. We'll see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, 
I love the state of North Carolina. love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.